The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Adam Patrick. Alright, welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, the official podcast for thevikingage.com. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and lead writer for the Viking Age. Before we get started... Make sure to follow The Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. The site's username on Twitter is at The Viking Age, and you can follow the site's Facebook page by heading to facebook.com slash The Viking Age. All right, let's recap today's Vikings game. 23-yarder for the win. And it is good. The Minnesota Vikings win it in overtime on the boot of Dan Bailey. 27 to 24, the final. Oh man, the Vikings just can't have a normal game this year, can they? Uh, up against the 1 in 10 Jaguars, the Vikings needed overtime to get a 27 to 24 win, but they got the win and now they're six, now they're 6 and 6 and in the number 7 spot in the NFC playoff race thanks to the Cardinals losing to the Rams today. I am joined by the Viking Ages Dustin Baker. And Dustin, before we get to our likes and dislikes from this week's game, if the Vikings had lost to the 1-10 Jaguars today, would it have ranked as Mike Zimmer's most disappointing loss ever since he became the Vikings head coach? Boy, I didn't know that question was coming. I would have had a better answer. Um, Boy, yeah, probably not um, because this season was supposed to be lost about a month and a half ago. Um, because of our start, that one and five start, it definitely would have been top three. Uh, I can name the Colts game in 2016 was particularly nasty. <clears throat> that took the wind out of uh, my sails. I was there. Of course, the Bills game, when we were big favorites. That one was a slap in the face. Um, this one would have been high up there, but of course, the the Jaguars had a nasty record at one and ten. But I think because we, me, you, and the people listening to this show follow the Vikings so closely. Um, we just amplify everything bad that happens to them. So when this type of crap happens where we're in a mini slugfest with a terrible team with a terrible record, we tend to think for some reason that we're the only team that does that. But I'm, I kid you not, this happens league-wide every week in the NFL, and it particularly happens to some teams like the Seattle Seahawks. They are always in games like this against opponents no matter their record. Lost now, the Giants today. Yeah, they did. The Colt McCoy and the Giants. Now, to Russell Wilson's credit, he usually does find a way to um, win in the end, regardless of the opponent and regardless of how tight the game is. So it's not taking anything away from him or Pete Carroll. But I, I, if you're listening out there, I'm telling you that when NFL teams come to your house and they have a poor record, it's not automatic they're going to lay down. Um, this Jaguars team did this in Lambeau Field, and the Packers eked out a victory early in the year. They lost to the Titans by three points. 
last week against these mighty Browns who are nine and three, they, they held them to two points. So there's no game that's automatic. And uh, this game certainly on the list of Zimmer Zimmer's bad losses. This one instantly would have been top three, um, but we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I talked to when previewing this game in the episode last week, I talked to someone who covers the Jaguars and he was saying how, you know, they're only, they only have one more win than the jets, but if, if the Jaguars played the Jets, they would just wipe the floor with them because they're just, they're so much better, you know, yeah. obviously because they're just, they're competitive compared to, uh, the Jets were competitive today. They almost beat the Raiders and then, you know, the Jaguars would have been tied for the first pick. Um, but I, I put in the word disappointing for his most disappointing loss because I would even go as far as putting the 2017 NFC Championship as his most disappointing loss just because of the high they were on and, and the opportunity that they had to play a home Super Bowl. And then they just get creamed by the Eagles. So I, I might even put that as, as most disappointing. But you mentioned, you know, the Colts in 2016, the Bills in 2018. Uh, I would this, even put this, the, this. The, the Bears at 2018 too. Um, yeah. The last yeah. game where they, if they, if they win, they're in the playoffs. Yeah. Yep, that one because it was later in the season against a more dastardly foe that we see twice a year. That one would have been worse. I forgot about that one. The Colts one was um, depressing, the one from 2016, not this year's one, because that one was the nail in the coffin. We were mathematically alive in the playoffs that season, and we were absolutely lifeless. Started 5-0. Yeah, that was, was, oh boy. Uh, I think that was the first time that we showed total ineptitude at our brand new stadium. And it was to date the only time my wife and I have left uh, U.S. Bank Stadium early because Ooh. we were like, screw this. We, we went to the spaghetti factory when that was still open. <laughs> All right. Since the Vikings won, we will get to likes first this week. So what do you got? Oh, I'm going to, I got a bunch and I also have a bunch of dislikes. Um, I'm going to go broadly themed for the first one. Um, without Daniil Hunter, without Anthony Barr, <clears throat> without Michael Pierce in the middle of the stuff to run, and today without Eric Kendricks. Uh, DJ Wanham. Yeah, and DJ Wadham as well, a team that was one in five, left for left for dead by yours personally. Not to think that they were going to go one in fifteen or anything, but convinced after seeing that game against the Falcons that this team is in a, a retooling year. Where they're probably going to go five and eleven. All of a sudden, we are the seventh seed in the NFC, and if the playoffs started this moment, we'd be tra- tra- uh, traveling to Lambeau Field, and it's just a testament to Kirk Cousins, to the coaching staff, to the defense that rises up in spots. Um, that we've won five out of six. Uh, so I love the fact that in the face of adversity, in the middle of a season, looking in the mirror during a bye week, lo and behold, we've won five out of six. And it has not been a cakewalk. I mean, it could have been more difficult, but we got those games out of the way early on and lost a bunch of them. But hey, um, when we thought this was going to be a season that was on the ash heap of Vikings history, now we have a puncher's chance to get in the playoffs. And I can't think of anything I like more than that about this game because without <clears throat> coming away with the win, if McLaughlin drills that 62-yarder uh, as a sweet payback for you know letting letting him go, uh, then <laughs> this is that was probably it because you start to say, hey, if we can't beat the Jaguars at home, then there's no way we're going to beat Tom Brady and there's no way we're going to win on Christmas Day. And you and I would be talking about, you know, boy, what went wrong almost the entire show and yeah. what what to look forward to next year. Yeah, a loss today would have been disappointing. A loss last week would have been disappointing. But, you know, both games are able to squeak them out. They needed overtime this week. Um, but, yeah, uh, 
in your opinion, do the Vikings play, have they played better on the road this year than at home? You would yes. say that, right? Yes, they have. And that's not saying they've been, you know, savants on the road. But right. yeah, we talked about this, I think maybe the last two ep- uh, episodes that home field advantage in the NFL and especially for the Vikings doesn't mean anything. And yeah. Like you can look at that good or bad. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, we shouldn't have, if we do get into the postseason, we already shown we can win at Lambeau, came darn close yep. at Seattle, and then we'll know if it is New Orleans. One in, one in New Orleans last year. Yep. And those are the three biggies that are probably on the docket, unless the Rams keep uh, winning, is we'd go to Green Bay, to Seattle, or to New Orleans if we, um, you know, probably win three out of the next four. Yeah, I was I was going to say, I brought that up because if they get in the playoffs as the seventh seed, they have to go on the road for every playoff game. And they've, I would probably be happier with that than them playing at home for a playoff game because yeah. they've, they've shown that they've struggled more inside U.S. Bank Stadium for whatever reason it is. You know, maybe it's just because it is so just empty and yeah. and there's, there's maybe there's echoes and stuff because <laughs> indoors. Um, but for whatever reason, they play better on the road. So I, if they're going to get in the playoffs, I would be fine with them being the seventh seed or the sixth seed. You know, I'd like them to be the, the fifth seed so they can play the whoever wins the NFC East. But um, I think they got a lot of work to do. Yeah, they would have to, to have that. a – oh, boy. They'd have to have a collapse. So we'd have to beat the Bucs. Um, if we beat the Bucs next week somehow, we'll get to that later, uh, about beating the Bucs, um, then we'd be in the sixth seed. And yeah. then you'd find yourself cheering against the Rams. And they're looking – Or the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah. Uh Got who? Who would have to pass them in the division? Um, it, well, in that division is what the the Seahawks and Rams, yeah, and the Cardinals, and even the Fort Niners. Fort Niners are still in, in the hunt too because they're, yeah. they're they're five and six. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna beat the the Bills. Yeah, the, they're both. They're both. The past few weeks they've been trending in different directions, so I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. with that. But at the same time, the Bills. Bills have talent, you know. They got this guy. I think, what's his name? Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I heard he's he's pretty good. Um, speaking of wide receivers, who replaced Stefan Diggs? One of my likes is Justin Jefferson today. Uh, he had another great game with nine catches, 121 yards, one touchdown. This is his fifth game with at least 100 yards this season, and that ties a Vikings rookie record with not Randy Moss, but Anthony Carter. In uh, 1985, I believe. Um, he surpassed 1,000 yards with his yardage today for the season. So he and Randy Moss are the only two to do this in Vikings history as rookies. Um, he's just had another great game. I think I, I, it's very hard to argue against, I feel like at this point in the season, with how much the Chargers are struggling, that you can pick Justin Herbert to be the offensive rookie of the year over Justin Jefferson. I just I don't understand how you can you can pick that. Jefferson has come in and and not only been one of the best rookie receivers in the NFL, he's been one of the best just overall NFL receivers in the yeah. league. So I was we very impressed be, with him today. We we would be lucky, and I kid you not, we would be lucky if he got this good by like age twenty five or twenty six. Right. <laughs> so the the mere fact that he's twenty one and Barring injury, this isn't a fluke. He's going to get better. 
we, we would be giving praise and thanks if it took him four years to develop this good, you know, brick by brick, you know, 500 yards, second year, 700 or 500 yards, the first year, 700 yards, second. Yeah, like a normal yeah. receiver. That gets yes. And, um, uh, and then that it should been it should have been even more today when uh, cousins threw him that yep. that pass yep. and they decided to call offensive pass interference. Yeah. That was that was just cousins saying like, hey, I got to go for something here because uh, you know that was overtime possession. He threw it up and he made a play and they decided they were gonna you know address the offensive pass interference there, which could have gone either way. But I didn't think it was egregious enough to be called. But it should have been an even bigger day because that would have been a game deciding play. Uh, does that and- does that flag get thrown if Aaron Rodgers throws the ball? Oh no. <laughs> no! No, that they, they, usually it has to be egregious for them to call OPI, and so I figured, well, they probably got it right. Let's see it again. And then I did one of the "You got to be kidding me"s when. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, you could you could argue that it was pass interference, but it wasn't like he. It wasn't Kyle Kyle Rudolph in the you know, wild card game against the Saints offensive pass interference where you yeah know, he. He pushed them. No. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it could have gone either way. So I, I understand why they called it. But at the same time, like I just said, if, if Aaron Rodgers threw that ball, that, that flag's not getting yeah. thrown. And I, uh, on Stefan Diggs, you mentioned him. I like and Ooh. liked liked him a lot. But I'm not making this up. I, I, I No matter the money, no matter the age, I'd rather have Jefferson on this team. Oh, yeah. Because when he makes the catch... Um, not that Diggs would fall to the ground or anything, but Jefferson is always seems to have an additional three or four yards at the very minimum after he makes the catch. Sometimes um, prior to 2019, Diggs was content with the, the shorty little catches and would duck down, which we were fine with. That's all we needed. But with Jefferson, um, it's so unique to have a comfort level as a fan and I'm sure as a quarterback. With a 21-year-old kid, I mean, just throw the ball. I mean, he's as reliable as Thielen. It's, it's nuts. Yeah, Jefferson Jefferson's averaging like 17 yards a catch and I believe he has now he has more yards than Diggs cuz Diggs hasn't played. They play on on Monday nights uh on Monday night against the 49ers, mm-hmm. but they've been uh they've been kind of neck and neck with yardage as wise and and Diggs has more catches because he's got way more targets than Jefferson cuz you know, there's no Adam Thielen <laughs> in Buffalo, uh but Diggs is averaging like 12 yards a catch. You know, yeah. just, we just said Jefferson's averaging, averaging around 17, almost 18. So that's that's the big difference in in those two. And I don't think we'd call Justin Jefferson like a burner or anything. He just he's able to get open. He knows when to go up to catch the ball. Um, just it just he just gets open downfield. And and it was frustrating today to. See early in the game when you knew this Jaguar secondary wasn't very good. I mean, we'll probably get to this in the in the dislikes, but it just took them way too long to try them downfield with either Jefferson or Thielen. And then when they did, surprise, it worked. <laughs> so I'm with you. I gotta like. Uh, it's actually it's several, but I'm gonna uh, wrap it up into one. Um, the defense in the second half. So the first half was not friendly. Uh, from a defensive perspective, but Cam Dantzler um, had his welcome to the NFL game. Mm-hmm. And this is all like with the backdrop and the fact that I didn't know if he was going to play again when he was laying on the field in Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that he's come back from that this quick is remarkable. And then today, uh, I, I don't know if he caused the fumble, but he definitely recovered it. Maybe he caused the fumble. And then he had the um, interception. And it was it's wonderful to see uh, he and Gladney think, growing. I, I think Harrison Smith caused it. He he. Popped okay. the guy pretty good. And then okay. Dancer and then pounced on it. 
Yep. So in a, we came out in the second half after I think we had allowed 239 yards to the Jaguars in the first half. And I don't have the exact number on how many yards we allowed in the second half, but it was significantly below that. 151. Um, really? Okay. So, yeah, better. Uh, and then we decided to blitz a little bit in the second half. Um, I, I, didn't, I was surprised we didn't do that from the beginning because just like we did against the Bears, uh, I didn't think Zimmer would trust Glennon. And the Jaguars have like six wide receivers who are all pretty good. Chark mm-hmm. is moments of being darn good, but mm-hmm. if you look at the rest of the roster, and you know this if you play fantasy football, like six of the receivers on the Jags are like good. Not great, but just pretty good. Yep. And uh, I didn't know, I thought we would be sending those blitzes early and often because you'd force Glennon, to, uh, career backup, to make those decisions. Uh, but I love the fact that at halftime, um, we changed it up and you know played better defensively. And then we had a safety, which felt like eons since we've had a meaningful one. And then out of nowhere, Jordan Brailford, his first yeah. NFL game. They were talking about his first game as a Viking, and, and I want I was thinking, I saw that he signed, but I've never heard of him, and that's weird if I don't know who he is. I just study this crap too much. So the fact that he had <clears throat> what did he have? That the forced fumble on Glennon, and then what did he have? A sack too? Uh, I be- it was the sack. Did that count as a sack? The, oh, I'm his, not his sure. Fu- no, it was, did, that was when he was two, scrambling. That was when he was scrambling. He had two plays where it yep. was like, yep. "Holy crap!" Like, yeah, no, I mean, he did. He played well in that sexy seventh uh, round pick from Oklahoma that, State. Yeah, like, that's that's sexy number sixty-seven that he was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is his first crack at anything professional. He was drafted by a Washington Football Team last year and never saw the field. He was on practice squad and then. For some reason, I guess our scouting department was like, hey, this guy, you know, works. He fits your scheme. And we went and snagged him when Wanham was out. And you, you love to see that from a guy you've never heard of and who's never played in a professional game. I mean, game ball stuff to him. Yeah, he, he played great. And, um, it's funny you brought up the, the defense in the second half because that was one of my likes too. So I, and I looked up the numbers. So in the first half, uh, the Jaguars averaged 6.8 yards per play, and then the second half they averaged 4.4, so quite okay. the, the difference. And then they also, in the first half, the Jaguars averaged 6.4 rushing yards, yeah. and then the second half they only averaged 3.6. I think and, that sort of happened last week, too, because yeah. I was complaining on this show last week that, you know, I was saying, why did they stop the run, those idiots? But when you looked at the end box score, I did that midweek for some reason this week. We only allowed 3.8 yards per carry to the Panthers, and it did not feel like that. So yeah. they must have quietly clamped down the second half, and I was too jaded to <laughs> figure it, it out. It seems like either either Mike Zimmer likes to see you know what the other offense does in the first you know 10 or 15 plays. Usually, it's it results in points for the other team. Or the other team's just really good at their scripted plays against the Vikings. Then once they get out of those, then then the Vikings are able to, you know, capitalize more because the other teams aren't as good, you know, without their scripted plays. So it's it's interesting to to watch that happen because yeah, it does seem like it happens more often than not. It would be nice if it didn't, but you know, I guess the Vikings, especially this year, they just like coming from behind. They they want to be like the cardiac Vikings or. Or whoever. So I've got another like, and it has to do with Kirk Cousins. I think you've 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 covered him a little bit. Um, he threw for three touchdowns again. Uh, third week in a row, he's thrown for at least three hundred yards and three touchdowns. Uh, no quarterback in the NFL has done that in the last three weeks. Only Kirk Cousins. Uh, he now has over three thousand passing yards this season. Twenty six touchdowns, twelve interceptions. 
and a 103.9 passer rating. He did have that pick six, but I think that was partial to blame on Cook and him. So I wouldn't put it all on his shoulders. Probably shouldn't have thrown it if Delvin Cook isn't looking. Um, but you know, you can, people can argue that either way. But, uh, I'm, I'm impressed with Kirk Cousins and I'm starting to wonder if the Vikings will use an early round pick on a quarterback in, in next year's draft. Oh, we kind of agreed that that would happen no matter what. Um, after the one and five start when we had our first show. Yeah. yeah I'm, st- I'm, I'm with you. I'm starting to deviate from that because somewhere in something I wrote, I, I put it's more likely that Kirk Cousins returns to the form that we know. It's a good quarterback rather than all of a sudden he's just garbage at the age of 32. He's, he's washed up and that happened. Um, he's returned to his normal stat line and it might even end up being better by the time this is all said and done. But, um, you ha- not you, but our Vikings nation has to realize that this football team is winning because of Kirk Cousins, not in spite of him, and mm-hmm. he's not managing football games. He is winning football games. And if you can't understand that, and you're so shrouded in bias in some sort of anti-Kirk movement that it's okay to admit that you're wrong. We haven't seen a quarterback like this um, in a single season since Favre in one year. And then consistently, to an extent, Dante Culpepper. And the idea that we would want to say that he's he's not going to be Mahomes, therefore we're going to get somebody else, is preposterous. Uh, because you have to grow within a system, and week by week, um, I see that with Cousins. Now, you and I admit that when Cousins has bad games, they are atrociously bad. And that is what sets him apart from being elite, like Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. But that is okay. You can still win a Super Bowl with a top 10, top 15 quarterback. Um, normally, we'd have this defense to back us up. We just don't quite have it this year. So to think that you're going to use this season as uh, your time for adjudicating Kirk Cousins is laughable when you don't have the defense that you usually have. And yes, I know that those two games against the Falcons and Colts were miserable for him. But uh, if you can subtract those from your memory and watch what he's done this past month, it's incredible. And he does not get enough credit. And I, I, I tweeted this last week, and I stand by it. If February something, March something, I got an alert to my phone that says Kirk Cousins has been traded to the 49ers or you know, cut for some weird reason, I would be pissed. I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, well, okay, we'll go on to this youngster. I would be melancholy because I'd be like, this is why we don't win Super Bowls because we don't stick with good quarterbacks or we don't find them in general. Yeah, and I think... They found they're they're getting what what they paid for. He's not he is not the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, regardless of you know what some people might want to tell you. He's not so, and he doesn't he doesn't play like he's the top quarterback in the NFL. But but like you said, the Vikings don't need that. They they haven't needed that with Mike Zimmer in charge. They go by defense and running the ball. You know, seems like maybe especially today. You know, when, when they're playing against a team like the Jaguars, whose secondary isn't that great, and they're actually maybe a little better at, at stopping the run than, than pass defense, maybe don't give Dalvin Cook 30 carries today and, and let Kirk Cousins, you know, maybe throw yeah. downfield a little more instead of doing that. But, you know, Vikings like to stick to their guns. Mike Zimmer has what he likes to do, and, and it's worked pretty well over the years, so he likes to stick to that. Um, but Kirk Cousins is, he's, he's on fire these past couple of weeks and, and there's as 
this isn't even like coming from people who root for the Vikings. I think it's safe to say mm-hmm. that there are a few quarterbacks in the league since week eight who have been playing as well as Kirk Cousins. No, and another thing that I can't wrap my head around is when Cousins does something within the scope of a game that's bad, then you have this crowd of people that says, oh, oh, look what he did. Oh, he threw a pick six. Yeah, what about Ooh, three touchdowns? Yeah, it, it, it's like... <laughs> Why would you, every time he does something bad, we don't do that for Rodgers. We don't do that for Kyler Murray. We don't do that for Deshaun Watson. Why do we do it for Kirk Cousins? He throws an interception and then Twitter, I mean, Twitter lights up. It's like, this is the Kirk Cousins that I was talking about. And it's, I don't, I don't get why it's so magnified, why he's this lightning rod or why is there's this fascination to be done with him somehow and draft our Mahomes. Like, let's say I was a New York Knicks fan in the NBA. And I, if I, I, what I was writing about, tweeting about was like, yeah, what this franchise needs to do is just go draft their LeBron. Like they, Patrick Mahomes and LeBrons don't just sit there at the corner store waiting for somebody to discover him. They're like once every 20, 25 years types of talents. So I get so sick of the draft our Mahomes because it's, yeah, duh, we wish we could do that. But those guys are, you know, precious <laughs> and few and far between. So, uh, you don't just get rid of something that's you know pretty darn good because you have this utopian, you know Michael Jordan quarterback sitting out there that nobody has thought of yet. It's preposterous. Listen, why do you think Rick Spielman racks up all those sixth and seventh round picks? <laughs> because he's looking for the next Tom Brady. It's pretty obvious. Um, do you have any more more likes? Yep, I better if 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 we're gonna jump into dislikes, I'm gonna go down the line. Uh, red zone proficiency. Uh, okay. That okay. So a lack of turnovers since the bye week, uh, the ones that we've orchestrated in offense. So a reduced amount of turnovers and red zone proficiency are why this team is knocking on the door of the playoffs. Every time, for the most part, they get in the red zone, they score, and they usually score touchdowns. It's another area where Kirk Cousins has been flawless. Except for today, Dalvin. Say what? I said except for today. Oh, yeah. Dalvin. Oh, that's right. Well. Yeah, that uh, yeah, so that that won't be ideal. That'll drop the percentage. It was like seventy eight heading into this game. So yeah, no, no, they've been great. Yep. So that's a good point. I guess I got too too much of my high horse there. That there was that fumble. Um, it was nice to see Thielen back one hundred percent after mm-hmm. a mysterious maybe coronavirus that he had. Um, uh, that ham, that CJ, or that ham, that t- <laughs> that touchdown uh, catch and run <laughs> that CJ Ham done uh, did was you know just bulldozing, and it was excellent to see him on the mix. Uh, Dan Bailey, who we'll talk about here in a couple minutes, uh, him hitting. Um, there was a late field goal that he hit, and then there was the 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 one to win the game. So it was nice to see him have a mini recovery. Uh, penalties, we didn't really get nipped by those a whole bunch, besides that Jefferson one. Um, I don't know. I don't. I didn't look at the final numbers, but it didn't feel like it was the past couple weeks where every time you have to check the bottom of the screen. And I don't care what the uh, our listeners. We'll say some of them are, like I said, uh, shroud and bias, but I thought Beth Mullins was a fantastic. I was going to say that too. Absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Like insightful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a hundred times better than Vilma. Uh, I mean, she, I think she, what did she say? CJ Ham, the battering ram. Like everything that she said, uh, I was like, okay, she sold me. I, I'd like to have her on uh, call She's our great. Games all the time. Yeah, she was marvelous. Much and better than the guy she was working with. But yeah. one funny thing, my my wife uh, had said about five ten minutes into it, I looked at my wife. I was like, "This this Beth lady, she's killing it." And my wife's like, "You know what? I didn't even realize it because as you're a, when you're a woman, you don't say like, oh, this woman's actually doing a good job.' She's just <laughs> like, it was a, it was a woman calling a sports event, and to me, it was normal. 
And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the takeaway there, uh, that she was that good that my wife didn't even say like, oh, she's doing good for a woman or something like that. She was outstanding regardless of her gender. Yeah. No, she did. She did great. I enjoyed her, her commentary. I, I'll definitely be, you know, looking forward to a Vikings game if she's, you know, and they're out there ju- just as this, uh, that profession. So sports broadcasting has been dominated by men. Um, there are just as many qualified women that can do that job. They're out there. They're just waiting to be plucked. And oh, for um, sure. let's hope over the next decade that it becomes 50-50 split because if today was any any indication, like we're missing out by not having women call games. Oh, for sure. There's, she, she did a great job. Um, I would throw in one more like, and that would just be just Todd Davis, just filling in for Eric Kendricks last minute today, and he ended up uh, ending the day as the – tied for the team lead and tackles with 11 so one thing people don't know about him unless you sift through sports almanacs and crap like i do is that he's a tackle machine um when i saw that kendricks was out of course i was like oh come on but (laughs) once i heard davis was the replacement he that's this is what he does is tackle and Mm -hmm. i think last year with broncos he was like eighth or tenth or something like that in the nfl in total tackles so um, he hasn't got a whole lot of playing time since early in the season. I, don't, I think he was hurt for a little bit, but that guy can start on a lot of teams. And we saw today that he can make an impact when needed. And uh, he was an unsung acquisition when uh, Barr went down, and I'm glad we have him. Yeah, he started the last four years for the Broncos, and last year he had 134 tackles. Yeah, so, I mean that's that's, that's like a if, you, if you're playing individual defensive player in fantasy, that's the kind of guy you wrap up to get those guaranteed tackles. That's, uh, those are some Chad Green, Chad Greenway numbers. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Since this is what we do, go from the likes to the dislikes. We'll get to the dislikes now. I'll give you give you one. You kind of already covered it with Dan Bailey, but he had two missed extra points. Did he have a missed field goal too? Yeah, he missed a field goal, right? Yeah, he missed... Uh... The to win it, he gained winner, yeah, yeah. 50. So we missed that. Um, God, every week it's just some something different from special teams. It's just like one week it's the punt returning, you know, which probably was again today. Um, you know, one week it's the the long snapping, and the other week it's the punting. This week it's the kicking. Like it's just one thing after another, and and especially with the Vikings and, and their kicking history, like yeah, just luckily. The team they were playing today had a worse kicker, so um, they they were able to, to squeak it out. But like you said, Bailey hit the the game winner at the end. Uh, it was a chip shot, so he, yeah. Luckily, he has to attempt a twenty seven yard kick in the playoffs, where we should have confidence that he can make it. Um, unlike someone else in the twenty fifteen playoffs. Um, I I want to get. I hope that you'll tell the truth to me here. I sincerely thought in my bones that McLaughlin was going to hit that 62-yarder. Did you think it was going to happen? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I didn't. Cause oh, it felt like the perfect in- or, um, sad and perfect Was ending. it short? It was short, right? Yeah, it was short. That's uh, the, uh, Jay Feely, A.G. Feely, whichever Feely it was that was calling Jay. the game with, with <laughs> Mullins. He was criticizing us for not having like a Devin Hester back there, uh, which was which was a little bit fair. But no, I because that we did we went to so many great lengths to put that guy on our practice squad week after week or keep him there, and somehow he finally escaped. I thought for sure it was way too poetic, way too storybook that he was going to drill like a almost record tying field goal to beat us. Yeah, not not too sad that he's 
not on the practice squad anymore because <laughs> yeah. um, he didn't look that great in the Vikings home stadium, which is where he would have had to play if, you know, Bailey got hurt yeah. or something. All right. So you got, you got dislike. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't dislike the man for it, but the Kendricks injury, like yeah. mere seconds before the game started was like, uh, just the, the eye roll to start the afternoon. Like we saw do that. Think, and do you, saw you think, do you think playing the Jaguars had something to do with him sitting out? Do what? Do you think him? No. Do you think them playing the Jaguars had something to do with him sitting out? Like he maybe tweaked it or whatever, and they're like, "Listen, we're playing the Jaguars. Just we'll beat. We should probably be well, okay without you." Perhaps when you break it down like that, like just as a precautionary thing, yeah. But I, I still don't know what happened to him. We, maybe right. we won't know until tomorrow. It was a calf but, injury, I think. Okay, but it was the ultimate. You sit down. You know, I got my 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 kid with me and my wife we sit down all excited like this is going to be the game where we're 500 brand new season and the first like first bit of news that comes out of the game is your best second to best you know tied for the best defensive player is not going to play and it it just i was like okay well this is setting the tone huh uh, because we saw how how bad things got when hitman got hurt against who we figure out was the texans it was like when he got uh, ejected yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. When he got ejected, yep. um, so we saw that how when you're trying to piecemeal a defense together like we have for the last three months, you could you see how much a single player can mean to the outcome of a game. And Hendricks is the cardiovascular system of the defense. So when he got hurt or you know tweaked whatever that was, it was just frustrating. Um, in that same vein, before we get to your next dislike, the fact of the first quarter was totally anemic really pissed me off because normally in a Vikings game, I mean, everything's different in 2020, but normally in a Vikings game, when the first quarter goes pear-shaped, it's not a good recipe for the rest of the game. And I think you guys listening know that too. Deep in your DNA that a hot start usually means a Vikings win. And when it's crap, like today's first quarter was, it usually means they didn't show up to play. Yeah. First, yeah, if the Vikings get off, under Mike Zimmer, if they get off to a slow start, typically it's not not a good sign. But for for some reason this year, you know, maybe it's because <laughs> Kubiak's calling the plays and they're, you know, taking more shots downfield, then, you know, it's okay if they're down by double digits. But obviously we would like that, you know, for that to not happen so they could actually just have a normal game and get out to a lead and then just stay leading the whole time instead of having to come back, you know, down double digits every week. Um, because if they do that against like the Bucks or the Saints, it's not they're not coming back. It's not that's not that's not going to happen. Correct. So my dislike would be Dalvin Cook. He ended up with uh, like one 179 total yards. Yeah, Qui- quietly. But he needed 38 touches to yeah. get that. Um, so I w- I would go as far to say that that he struggled. Today he didn't really have those those big long runs that we're, we're used to seeing from him. He had the fumble near the goal line. Um, he almost had another fumble, I feel like, um, and just and it, he or he did he have the was the wait is the fumble I'm talking about? Yeah, the fumble I'm talking about is the the exchange. Yep, where between him and Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he and Cousins um, had two miscues together today. Yes, and then the the pick six where he mm-hmm. didn't he didn't turn around. Um, so I would, I would say that Dalvin Cook struggled today and, in, in, in his, his sense. And I think if you asked him, he'd probably say the same thing as well. 
Yeah. Um, I think that's why he was super motivated on that final, was it fourth quarter, maybe overtime, where he finally yeah, got... Keep giving me he, the ball, man. Yep, he was breaking off chunks of yards, and he, like we talked about for BB last week, was redeeming himself. Because athletes, they think that way. Like, hey, I'm going to make up for what I, what yeah. I did. And he did that. Um, what, what was it, 170-something yards from scrimmage? Yeah, 179. Yeah, that's... Uh, normally, we'd see that and say, like, well, that's 25. not... To be like what? twenty. Normally, that would take like twenty-five touches. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, thirty-eight touches is a lot, and hopefully that doesn't <laughs> wear down on his body too much. Um, Madison was out, so that's probably uh, yeah part of the reason why usually Madison will come in and get probably like five of those yeah. touches at, at least. But he was he had uh, what appendicitis. He had to get his appendix yep. mm-hmm. taken out. So yeah, that's that's. So I guess it's not it's not a super huge dislike, but it just. He definitely uh, struggled more often than not this week. He wasn't getting. He didn't get his long. His longest run of the day was twelve yards. So yeah, that'll tell you all you need to know. Another thing that I took issue with, and I say this as a disclaimer, also, I don't have any problems with him personally. Chris Boyd, again, especially in the first quarter, he uh, he missed the interception that led to the freak touchdown, and then he mistimed, I think, a pass that he was defending against somebody. Um, and then there was one other one in the end zone and man, he just seems like he's in a rut. Uh, then he had the block in the back penalty and I know that we're short Mike Hughes and does he do that every week. Yeah. What's that? I feel like he does that every week. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's a, it's like prerequisite. He has to get one of them in, you know, check that box before the game's over. Yeah. But yeah, I, he, he shows glimpses of promise, but, uh, this game in the first quarter anyhow, and then that penalty, um, that, so that how the thing started when Chenault, whatever, however you say his last name, when he caught the tipped pass in the end zone, yeah. that's usually an interception for a Vikings defense. Yeah. Like Xavier Rhodes usually catches that. Trey Waynes catches that. Um, so that's what started the mayhem was a freak play. And they usually save those against the Vikings until the fourth quarter. So maybe it was good that they got it out of the way early. Um, but that was the second eye roll of the afternoon after Kendricks was hurt was uh, Boyd. And he, he dropped one. What was it when we were talking against the Cowboys? He, the game, game game ending interception. Yeah. That he got. So he's, he's got to get that figured out. That's the reason he's a cornerback and not a, not a receiver. <laughs> yeah. um, one of my dislikes would be the, the, the clock management at the end of first half um when the vikings got the ball it looks like there it was 145 left on the clock i think they had at least two timeouts left maybe three um and they're down nine to six so they could have just drove and, and just maybe gotten a field goal but they ended up taking uh only 56 seconds off the clock and having, having to punt the ball instead of you know running out the clock at the very least and going in the locker room down three Luckily, the Jaguars are terrible, and they couldn't get anything going on the drive when they got the ball back. And then, and then the Vikings had to make sure they got a first down um, to end the half because they decided to. Um, did they? Yeah, they decided to pass the ball. The the Vikings, the team that runs on first down every first down they get, they decided to pass the ball and stop the clock. And so the Jaguars had a chance to get the ball back in, in good field position possibly get a field goal. Um, so just it was just very confusing. I'm not sure how much Mike Zimmer had to do with it. I'm sh- uh, usually with the clock, he has a bunch to do with it. Um, so it just just not – it didn't go very well. Um, that's just something that bothered me. I got uh, 
Yeah, that one was uh, curious, and it was especially strange because normally we are thinking the Vikings are too conservative in situations like that, and there they tried to be somewhat aggressive and uh, they didn't run enough time off. Um, offensive line with Cleveland back was supposed yeah. to be supposed to be like, okay, let's go, boys, and it took a step back. There was a couple of times where Kirk, you know, was under siege and went down and you're like, oh boy. And so this was not the best game for a unit that was starting to, to take some strides. So hopefully it was an outlier, at least for this, this group that we think will work. Um, and the other thing that really bugged me um, was that there was, uh, I think, three drives at a minimum when one touchdown would have put the game away. Um, and it felt like I, I really, once we got the lead, and especially in the fourth quarter, I was not nervous. I ended up being nervous, uh, but it's, it felt like we were going to get the ball back. We we're going to have a nice little drive and put the thing away. And every time we got the opportunity to do that, we did not. And I loved there was a one play call where they they took the shot at Thielen. I thought that that was going to work. So I don't I don't fault them for that. But um, to your point uh, about on that third down, right? Yeah. Right before yeah, they that, did they kick a field goal? Is that when they kicked a field goal? Ah, uh, yeah. I think that's when they. Missed? Uh, yes, yes, it is. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's when they missed it. Yep. When they missed. Yeah. When Bailey missed the fifty-one yarder. So one of these games, those daggers is going to work. Uh, we tried it yeah. a couple times this season, um, and I love that they're trying that and trying to go for the jugular. Um, but this game, there were I think there were three drives where each each drive one touchdown would have put the thing within two scores, and you could have put it on ice. But we first drive them. of overtime. <laughs> Yeah, when, when, was, when they lost for Oh, that, that just made me think. I didn't even have this written down anywhere. Um, that just made me think of the turn of events that led Jacksonville to getting the ball back on like their 10 or 15 after oh, we yeah. had an absolutely horrendous first overtime offensive possession. Uh, Colquick had a n- nice punt, yep. and a beautiful punt, and then they got holding. So it went from me thinking, okay, they're going to get the ball at about midfield because some crap will happen that will make them... Get it there. And to, what's what's his face? Super super gunner or whatever. His just name just is, saying uh, <laughs> made the tackle. Finally. Yep, yep. He nailed that. And it they went from punting like at their own, I think the punter was standing at like his ten. Yeah. And they started their drive on their ten or fifteen. And yeah. those things many folks won't care about or realize, but those things mean everything in a close game. Oh yeah. Field position is huge, especially in the overtime game where all you need is a a field goal, and so they could have all they needed was like probably a twenty. If they get the ball on the forty or whatever, you just need like a twenty-yard play, and and you can kick the field goal to win. So yeah. yeah, that field position is huge. Speaking of punting, uh, I think I suggested this last week, but <laughs> what <laughs> what is the point of the Vikings having a punt returner for the rest of the year? Like, what what is the point? Because he's, they're either going to fumble. They're not going to get any yards. I just, I just. What, okay, so maybe the team is able to down down the ball. I don't think the 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 teams are going to down the ball on the the one yard line every time. That's that's just that's not going to happen. Yeah. So, I'm just. I know they're still going to have a punt returner back there. That's that's what you do, <laughs> but it's just it seems like it's causing more problems yeah. than than helping. Yeah, we're not even really uh, when we get a chance. KJ Osborne had another fumble today luckily he recovered it but yeah 
Why is why is why do they keep putting him back there? Like he, he hasn't fumbled enough. Uh, they put who did they put? Abdallah. They put Abdallah back for either kick return or palm return at some point. Kick return. It was it a kick return? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's that's I think it's each week they think, all right, we're gonna get that out of our system and here we go. And then, you know, something weird happens each week. Just, like put Thielen back there or whatever, just have him fair catch every time. Like what what <laughs> somebody not Jefferson, he's 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 too valuable now. I would, I'd rather, you know, Thielen's almost the end of his career, so if he gets hurt, it's okay. But Jefferson, <laughs> yeah. don't put him back there. Uh, well, like, what's like BC Johnson doing? Like, yeah. Just, it just, it just boggles my mind that week after week, Osborne continues to fumble, and it, in the Cowboys game, it costs them the game. Yeah. And they keep putting him back there. I know, I don't, I don't know, maybe he looked great in practice. But there's, there's a big, yeah, there's a big difference between uh, practice and and the games. Sean Mannion would know all about that. Um, all right, I got to give a little speech um, before we hop off, and okay. it's about next week's game. Oh boy. And you're not going to like it, and the listeners aren't going to like it. So oh I do apologize, but I'm going to oh, spit. No. I'm going to spit some truths here. I regrettably think we are going to get butchered oh, next no. week against the Buccaneers, and I have all the reasons why. And okay. I pray, pray to Christ that I'm wrong. Pray to Christ. All right. So here, here is what we have stacked against us. So we're playing Tampa Bay, who yep. has coming off two frustrating losses and a bye week. So okay. they need to win. And they're going to, in theory, be ultra prepared. Um, Brady isn't used to losing three games in a row. I don't know if he's ever done that. Uh, we're going to play on grass, which is, is a notoriously bad thing um, for the Vikings. We're playing in that uh, late afternoon window, which never bodes well. For Mm-mm. the most part, for Minnesota, um, the no, kryptonite, Mike Zimmer's kryptonite they're, isn't they're, is, is not against teams against with winning yeah. records. It's away games against teams with win, winning records, and um, this game. And then Tom Brady, the Vikings have never beat Tom Brady. And then, so in a with the secondary the way it is now, we would have a difficult time covering last year's version of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and then whatever people they had. Uh, to compliment those two. But now it's Godwin, Evans, Antonio Brown, Gronkowski, Brait, the, uh, Tyler Johnson, who we all know and love. And then Scotty Miller, who's like just some clone out of New England that uh, feels like Brady brought with him from the Belichick regime. There are too many players to cover in that secondary for a secondary that is developing and not really all that good right now. And then if we somehow bottle that up, then they've got Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. And then on top of it all off, they have the second best rush defense in the NFL. So Dalvin is not going to be a rushing factor um, against the Bucs, or at least that's what the numbers say. So I just got a terrible feeling that this game is going to go something like 35 to 10, and everybody's going to think that we suck again, and it's going to be the same week to week, good versus bad. I just do not think that we're going to win this game, and I think we're going to get our asses kicked. Two things. The game is not in the late afternoon. It's, it's not? It's, it's in the early slot. It's it at is? Noon. It's at noon. Really? Yep. I'm tripping. And number two, who's covering Justin Jefferson? Get they him. have they have the 24th best pass defense in the league. Uh, they're coming off a game against the Chiefs where they gave up 456 passing yards. Yeah. So I wouldn't say to count them out. I, I feel like you're you're a pretty optimistic guy, so this is mm-hmm. a little shocking to me that you're just coming right out of the gate and being like they're going to get killed. I think I 
I, I've, I don't know. I swear this game got flexed up or something because I, sw- I, I really thought this game was in the. the They've lost game. three of their last four at home. Yeah, I, ugh, maybe <laughs> I, I definitely won't change my mindset unless Brady has like a freak injury or something. But uh, I don't know. It just seems like too many things to overcome. That uh, the Vikings did pretty well against the the Cowboys trio of receivers, didn't they? I feel like they did. Against Amari Cooper, yeah. Michael yeah. Gallup, and, and yeah. CeeDee Lamb had, had some good plays. But overall, I feel like they did a good job. So I think they can they can maybe – and Dancer came on this week. Um, you know, for I, as much as Chris Boyd messes up, he I feel like he plays <laughs> – he plays – has more good plays. Maybe my problem is that my, my maybe my problem is that when I think of Brady, I still think of elite Brady. Yeah, he's not that anymore. Yeah, maybe he doesn't I'm, throw deep. They're not going to get big deep. He doesn't yeah. do that anymore. All right, well, maybe I need to tamper that, <laughs> taper that down. And hey, I'm just trying to I'm trying to help you out, make make you a little more excited about this game. <laughs> well, I'll definitely be excited. And when when it gets time, when it's Saturday night, Sunday morning, I'll convince myself that there's a chance. But right now. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find a game during the Zimmer era that has all these nasty factors uh, for an opponent. Um, and mo- I guess a lot of that lies in the fact that I still consider Brady that he can be excellent in spots. Um, I don't know what the deal is with Tampa losing two in a row, but I don't know. And I apologize to the folks listening about three o'clock, uh, the the late afternoon slot. Um, I, I must have dreamt that or looked at it wrong or something. But uh, it just does. It has all the ingredients for a game that we usually lose, and we can afford to lose it and then win out but it'd be nice to get this one in the rear view with a win and then hypothetically um you know maybe that saints game goes pear-shaped yeah if they if they lose to the bucks they probably have to beat the saints yeah yep otherwise you have to have collapses from the niners and the cardinals and i'm not even worried about the bears anymore Mm. no Pretty much win. So the Cardinals, the rest of the way, have to go three and one. That's what their record has to be. And the Vikings can lose one. Um, and we've known that now. Um, we've known that the, that's, that was the thing about it was weird about the, the Jaguars game today is that if we were a team that was eight and three, something like that, and, you know, a one in 10 team was beating us, we'd be like, what the heck's going on here? And then if we lost, we'd have been like, okay, this is a soul searching game. But when the margin of error is you cannot lose games, <laughs> then it makes every game feel like a playoff game. Yeah. And the Cardinals, they, their last four games are against, it's, are on the road at the Giants. I believe yeah. we won four in a row now. Is it really? Um, against the Eagles. So they'll probably win now. Um, against the 49ers. <laughs> Either J- Jalen Hurts, Eagles. Yeah, who got against the 49ers, who are coming on. Yeah. And then they finish the season at the Rams, who they just yeah, so it lost might, to. It, it might be the Niners that we're trying to fend off. Um, I, I think after all of the fanfare of the Hale Murray, everybody, most folks thought this Cardinals team is legitimate. They're going to the playoffs, and they haven't won since, I don't think. Yeah, they've, they've lost three of their last... No, four of their last five. Um, <laughs> they should have lost against the Bills. They they should have lost five in a row. Um, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, maybe they're not that good. Maybe we were just mesmerized by that that play. That Definitely. I, yeah, I definitely think so. I think Kyler, he's he's got a good future, but I think this year is a, it's a lot of hype more than, than anything. He's had, I feel like he's had more bad games than than good. He still has some, some great moments, but he's still got a, 
long ways to go before he's. I, there was talk of like him being in the MVP conversation and everything, and I'm like, what? Like, what? well, that what? was that wasn't as a passer. That was as yeah. a rusher because he's having a Lamar Jackson 2019 season um, in terms of rushing the ball. He's got rushing several ball, rushing yeah. touchdowns, so he's he's a dual threat uh, usually, and just hasn't been working out for him since just, they won that Bills game. Just like that Taysom Hill guy in New Orleans, he got <laughs> we see he got his first ever touchdown pass. Or as a starter uh, today, it only took him three games because um, he's a future Hall of Famer. Would you uh, rather face, not that you can choose or I could choose, would you rather face Taysom Hill or Breeze on Christmas oh, Day? Breeze. <laughs> because the Vikings, for one, they've played well against Breeze yeah. the past couple of years. And number two, they just, they don't do well against like gimmicky guys or, or, yeah, that, or, uh, or running quarterbacks. It doesn't the, even matter. In the Zimmer era, it goes... It goes way beyond that. Like yeah. the whole franchise going against RG3, uh, Michael Vick, all those guys, Colin yeah. Kaepernick, like just running quarterbacks for some reason. The Vikings, just Steve Young, um, just <laughs> yeah. all these guys have just demolished the Vikings. And for, I, I would much rather see Drew Brees, who can barely throw the ball 15 yards, which is yeah. why, you know, all Michael Thomas's catches are for five yards. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I would definitely much rather see Breeze back there than than uh, Taysom Hill. Yeah. I, I'd rather see uh, the Saints should put put J- Jameis Winston in there. I don't I don't understand why Taysom Hill continues to be in there. He he barely had more yards than that Broncos receiver last week who started at quarterback. Um, it's going to catch up to them. I think they're yeah. they're waiting for Breeze to get back, and then um, they're just going to try one last hurrah with him. But if you go back to the playoff game where we stunned them in the Superdome, the only offense they had yep. was Taysom Hill, and it was that gimmick crap that they scored touchdowns on. And uh, that'll forever frustrate me because we dominated Breeze, and the only big plays they had were from that stupid stuff that they would do and catch us off guard with Taysom Hill. Yeah, they've got a. The Saints have to play. Let's see who they got. They got at the Eagles, and they play home to the Chiefs. So that'll be a good game, maybe. Um, then they play the Vikings, and then they close on the road at the Panthers. So they got a pretty easy schedule aside from the Chiefs and and the, and the Vikings. Um, they've what had they a pr- pretty easy. What are the what's what are the Eagles' record? No, what are the Eagles going to do with this? Because they are married to Wentz for what is it seven? Oh months? yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, know, I know there's an unwritten rule that once you go away from a guy, it destroys his morale. You can't really go back to him. Um, that is something you can use when you talk to people about Kirk Cousins and be like, <laughs> hey, you see the Eagles who got this this guy and drafted him like, what, number two? Yeah. Uh, how, how's that working out for him? He's doing pretty yeah. good, right? Oh, I watched uh, that game. It was, was it Monday night? It was one of the night, <laughs> one of the games that was on every single weeknight last week. They played the uh, Seahawks? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. And my God, um, <laughs> what happened to him? I know offensive line, but we know all about terrible offensive lines and uh, quarterback can make up for it to extent. But it's like, you know, I don't think Wentz is playing hurt. It just he looks terrible. Isn't he mobile? Like, he's he supposed, supposed to, to be able to like, yeah, but it, it was like it was just a. I was laughing. It was like every time they got the ball, it was like, oh, they got a positive play three yards. And uh, until they. Gosh, got to the fourth quarter and then started to get a little bit of penetration offensively. It was like every drive. The defense was playing quite well, but the offense was just terrible. I'll tell you what, that Eagles team hasn't been the same since uh, Frank Reich left. Yeah. Um, so I would, 
I would. I mean, they haven't. I don't think they made the playoffs since since. Oh, they, they did make the playoffs last year, but they didn't make it after they won the Super Bowl. I think, right? Yeah, they did because I think that's when Parky missed the the field goal. Wasn't that? Oh, them? yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So but, they made it. Yeah, they they've made it, but it. I guess. It just they haven't been the same. It doesn't really feel like it. Yeah, um, it yeah, feels like yeah. they made a deal with the devil to win that Super Bowl, just like the Broncos did. Like at twenty, it feels like Elway made a deal with the devil in twenty fifteen to shake out the remaining age out of Peyton Manning and win a Super Bowl because they've they've had problems at quarterback for half of a decade now. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about when when the Broncos won like the nineties. I'm like they're pretty oh, good. No, no, in twenty fifteen, t- Peyton Manning had no business winning a Super yeah. Bowl that year, but they Ron had Miller, Osweiler playing in there. Oh man, yeah, so. All right, well, that's going to do it for us today. Make sure to uh, follow The Viking Age on Twitter, at The Viking Age, and then uh, follow us on Facebook, too, at facebook.com slash The Viking Age. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow Dustin on Twitter, at DustBaker. Subscribe to his podcast, Believe in Vikings Podcast, Brian McKinney. They just had Fred Taylor on there possible Hall of Famer because he's a semifinalist this year. Uh, so go check that out. We have lots of good guests on there. Um, but as always, Dustin, I'm just going to need you to close out the show since the Vikings got another win. They're fifth in the last six games. We to close it out with a skull. Skull! Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.